0: Welcome, you're listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast, episode number 95, an interview with Paul Moore. I'm your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. After graduating with an engineering degree and then an MBA from Ohio State, Paul started on the management development track at Ford Motor Company in Detroit. After five years, he departed to start a staffing company with a partner. They sold it to a publicly traded firm for $2.9 million. Five years later, along the way, Paul was finalist for Ernest and Young's Michigan Entrepreneur of the Year, two years straight. Paul later entered the real estate sector where he completed 85 real estate investments and exits appeared on an HGTV special, rehabbed and managed dozens of rental properties. He developed a waterfront subdivision and started two successful online real estate marketing firms. Three successful developments included assisting with development of a Hyatt Hotel and a multi-family housing project led him into the multi-family investment area or arena paul co-hosts a wealth building podcast called how to lose money and is a frequent contributor to bigger pockets producing live video and blog content on a weekly basis paul is the author of the perfect investment create enduring wealth from the historic shift to multi-family housing in 2016 and has a forthcoming book of self-storage investing. Paul is also the managing director of two commercial real estate funds at Wellings Capital. Paul? Hey Maurice, great to be here yes it's a pleasure to have you on the new mind creator podcast you're a very special guest to us this is paul moore we have here today and paul would you just start out by telling the audience just a little bit about you
1: absolutely so i grew up i actually wanted to be a parapsychologist i actually watched the ghostbusters movie and i thought that looked like fun and uh, you know, I was so misguided or unguided through junior high and high school. I actually thought that there was a degree in this. And finally my psychologist football coach uh said, Hey, Paul, where are you gonna get a, a college degree like that? And I said, Oh, I I don't know, I'll find a place. And uh I found out later there was no such degree at all. And so I did the next best thing. <laughs> I got an engineering degree, and that was misguided as well. I didn't really know that I wasn't really designed to be an engineer. But uh, I did that for a while, got an MBA, went to Ford Motor Company, did really well there, enjoyed it. But I always had this entrepreneurial itch. So I quit Ford after five years. And with a friend of mine who was already in the business, I started a staffing company. And um, that just went really well for five years. We sold it to a publicly traded firm. I had the, uh, I was finalist for Entrepreneur of the Year in Michigan a couple of times. And After we sold the company, uh, I was kind of lost for a while. I thought that I would become the best father and husband uh, that I could, and you know, be start a nonprofit to reach out to international students studying in the U.S. But what I found myself was, I was 33. I had a uh, 34 by then. I had a couple million dollars, and I was really bored. And uh, I didn't really have a good purpose. So I started making all kinds of foolish investments. I thought I was investing and I was actually speculating, Maurice. You know, investing is when your principal is generally safe and you've got a chance to make a return. And speculating is when your principal is not at all safe and you have a chance to make a return. And I was really speculating. I made a lot of money, but I lost a lot as well and learned some hard lessons and through a lot of painful trials and some triumphs along the way. We, we flipped dozens of homes. We built some homes. We, we did some residential lots, but I eventually ended up in commercial real estate, where I am today. And I'll tell you, Maurice, for me, if I would have known about the power of commercial real estate to shelter tax and create wealth, I never would have done anything else. And so I've written a couple books on real estate investing, and I have a couple
0: funds that invest in commercial real estate now. Wow, that's amazing. So what are the, what's the title of your books?
1: So I've got one that was a local book of, about uh, investing at Smith Mountain Lake in uh, Smith Mountain Lake Real Estate in Virginia, the definitive guide to Smith Mountain Lake Real Estate. It, basically we use it to uh, generate leads for realtors here at this resort area in the Blue Ridge Mountains. My book that sold quite a bit is called The Perfect Investment, and that is about multifamily housing that's available on our website or on Amazon, and that's about to be republished by a publisher that was actually self-published. And then my third book is going to be called The Book on Self-Storage. It's not available yet. The publisher says it should be out by spring, and uh, that's a book on self-investing in the self-storage asset class.
0: So you've worked in a couple of different fields already. Have you fulfilled all of your childhood dreams or desires thus far in your journey, you th- believe? <laughs>
1: well, they've changed quite a bit. Unfortunately, I was a shiny object chaser, Maurice, and uh, I, I chased this and that and the other. So my goals and dreams have changed a lot. Um, so I don't really you know I I don't know if I had a real clear goal as a child I actually had this spiritual thing as a child I mean you know the parapsychology thing right and um, so I I really think that that has been fulfilled because I really felt I really feel like I found what I'm looking for in that regard um, but you know I'm certainly not where I want to be with that whole arena but it's it's I'm certainly on the path that I want to be on and You know, I really love where I'm at. One thing that's really important for everybody, I think, is to have a big why. And a big why for me is it's it's about this. I don't know what you and your audience have heard about human trafficking. Three years ago, I didn't know anything about it, but um, I saw a documentary called Nefarious, and it talked about the horrors of human trafficking. And what I found out was that if you took the record profits of Apple, General Motors, Nike, and Starbucks, the record profits, added those together, double that number, that's the approximate annual revenues generated every year by human trafficking. And you know, Maurice, I, I'd like to believe that if I was alive in the 1800s, I would have been an abolitionist fighting against slavery. And if I would have been an adult in the 1950s and 60s, I would have been fighting for civil rights. Well, this is a civil right, and it's been ripped away by tens of millions of enslaved people. And I feel like it's my big why, and our company, Wellings Capital, our big why is to get the word out about this and to fight this great evil. So that's what we're doing.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I had no idea that it was that big of an industry money-wise I've heard of human trafficking and it's been it's become more prevalent uh, as far as being in the front of people uh, over the last 10 years or so. And I had no idea it produced that much uh, money. Yeah, it's a tragedy. It really is. That's sad. Um, So uh, what are some ways people can begin to change their relationship? With money?
1: You know, I think one thing that people can do is they can realize the difference uh, between investing and speculating. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's okay to speculate, but if you're trying to hit grand slams with your investment dollars, just like you do in your personal life, with your hopefully with your marriage, or just like you do if you're an entrepreneur, you do with your business. Um, if you're trying to hit grand slams with your investments, chances are you'll swing and miss as much as anything else. Warren Buffett was asked by Jeff Zuckerberg from Facebook, why, he said, your strategy is pretty simple, Warren. Why don't everybody, why don't more people copy you? And Warren Buffett said, oh, no, no. Most people would never copy me. They don't want to get rich slowly. And the thing is, you know, if people could realize that compounding their money, you know, with a safe amount of leverage over decades, a lot of people could become very, very wealthy. We've done calculations. Somebody, investor asked me some time ago, you know, well, you, you said you talk about, you know, growing your portfolio and you say that you can grow it a lot. Well, how much could you grow it? And I said, well, it's a lot. I don't know. And he said, well, let's quantify it. So we put together a spreadsheet, and it really shocked me. You know, Maurice, it showed that if you invest wisely and carefully in commercial real estate, and you reinvest your profits along the way, you can turn a hundred thousand dollars over about thirty years into three or four million dollars, or even more. And that's with very little tax burden along the way. It's a pretty shocking. You've got to do a lot of things right to make that happen. But can you imagine 100000 turned into 3 or $4 million? It is certainly possible.
0: And uh, one of the reasons I love commercial real estate. Wow. How would you, de- that's amazing, by the way. How would you define commercial real estate? You hear about real estate, but how would you uh, simplistically define commercial real estate?
1: That's a great question. So residential real estate um, specifically is, you know, one to three um, or actually up to four units. So, uh, you know, a single home or duplex or a three or fourplex. And then anything above that in uh, in the residential world is considered small commercial. And that's like a five unit apartment up to about 60 or 70 or 80 units. And then it goes, transitions from small to large commercial, uh, in the multifamily space at least, and that would be, you know, like a larger apartment building where you can have an on-site manager. Other types of commercial real estate would include self-storage, mobile home parks, senior living, um, uh, medical, uh, industrial, uh, those types of real estate.
0: Retail is another type. Great. So you mentioned uh, earlier that it's a slow build. If you're willing to do the slow build and don't go for the quote unquote home run right away, investing and having the money compound over time is the better way to go. But oftentimes people are so, uh, how could I say this? So quick to jump at things and not be patient so you are saying that patience is a key in Mm -hmm. in the long run absolutely
1: it's critical and you know warren buffett said that successful people say no a whole lot but really successful people say no almost all the time and we've got to be really discerning we've got to have our default to be no when we're looking at different investment opportunities. And that's one key to success for great investment.
0: Okay, good. So what are some strategies you recommend for people to earn total returns of 15% safely in an environment where banks pay 1% to 2% on saving accounts? Yeah, that's a great
1: question. You know, yeah.
0: Um, We, uh,
1: commercial real estate itself doesn't necessarily earn returns like that, but the strategy that's key that can make this work is investing in purchasing mom and pop assets. Now, what I mean by that is there are asset classes like mobile home parks and self-storage where the great majority of ownership is in Uh, is by uh, mom and pop owners. Think about mobile home parks. You know, those were real popular and some of the wealthy people lived in mobile home parks in the 50s and 60s even. Well, now they're really looked down on. We all know that it's just not a real popular, uh, it's a place that, you know, most investors, most of your listeners probably wouldn't think real highly of that. But, you know, it's important that we live where we want and invest where it makes sense. Well, what makes sense about mobile home parks, one of the great things is they're usually run by mom and pop owners that either live on site or sometimes they live at the beach. And they don't, uh, they're not run real well. They used to have this attitude, if we build it, they will come. Well, they did come for a long, lot of years, but now, you know, those same operators, they don't use, they don't have websites or Facebook pages. They don't raise rents to market level. They don't keep the place clean and nice and they don't add a lot of value add opportunities. Sometimes they will pay the utilities for the clients and tenants and the tenants and they would rather not rock the boat by making them pay their own water, sewer, gas, electric, et cetera. And those are opportunities for a professional operator to buy these mom and pops, upgrade them, add a lot of value and, you know, honestly safely give their investors returns of, Quite a bit north of 15%. And something is very similar going on in self storage right now. There are 53,000 self storage facilities in the US, and well over half of those are owned by mom and pops. Well, you can buy those, upgrade them, sell them to a real estate investment trust or another institutional buyer, and make a very significant profit
0: for your investors. Now, these opportunities won't be there forever but they're there right now. So you're saying there are, there's wealth in even the smallest, minute, seemingly insignificant things that's right around us right now. Not all of them, but many of them, yes. It's, it's very true. So there's opportunities, great. So, mm-hmm. so who was the most influential person in your life as you were for, during your formative years as a child?
1: Yeah, it was definitely my dad. I watched my dad. I, I worked actually summer jobs in the factory that, where he was the HR director. They used to call it director of industrial relations or personnel director. And uh, I saw how kind he was to everybody, but he had to hold a line. He had to say no a lot but the union and a lot of the workers in the factory really respected him, even though he was on the other side of the table. And they always told me that, you know, we really hate the company. We hate the owners, we hate this, but that we love your dad because he always tells the truth. He always keeps his word. Even when we don't like what he has to say, we respect and and really care about him. And that, that left a big impact on me to work in a factory and hear them say
0: things like that. Wow. That's great. So who, who do you think was the person that you saw as far as financially that you wanted to emulate?
1: Well, unfortunately, you know, my parents were not investors. They were not good investors or managers of their own money. So I really didn't see people growing up that I remember wanting to emulate. I saw people um, who were miserly, who were penny pinchers. I, I know a family I'm thinking of right now where the, the husband and father is the same age as me almost. And you know, while a lot of us would go out to eat, they would bring a brown bag lunch. Uh, the wife would go to three different grocery stores on shopping day just to make sure she got all the coupons from each one. And they didn't take vacations very much. They just saved and saved and saved. You know, for that day when they would retire and enjoy life. Well, he—he's um, in his late fifties now, and he just moved into a memory care facility. He can't speak. He's got a, a form of dementia that's really tragic. And you know, nobody's promised tomorrow. Saint James says that we're but a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while, then's gone. And um, you know, I, I really. I kind of had the opposite attitude as them for years. And I kind of regret that we were not more thrifty, but I didn't want to be like them uh, either. As an investor, I've been, I'm working on a book on Warren Buffett and his investment tactics and thoughts and uh, processes. And uh, so, I mean, clearly I've read several books on Buffett this year and Clearly, he is the most influential investor in my mind and probably for a large percentage of
0: investors out there. Uh, great answer. I I remember I was just thinking about this today. I remember when I was a kid, me and my cousin, we were raised together. And she, as I look back over during that time frame, she seemed to always had a uh, abundance mindset she always had it and I thought it was unusual because when we grew up we were poor and didn't have a lot but she seemed to always have an abundance mindset I remember one birthday I had I could have I think it was probably my uh, 10th or 11th birthday and I didn't have a party that year and she invited friends from the neighborhood over and the candy and cupcakes and these different things that we had in the house, she actually gave it to the kids and Kool-Aid and everything. And, she, and that, that was our food, <laughs> our snack food, but she <laughs> gave it away. And as I look back over it, it was just her abundance mindset that she had. And it seems like sometimes people have things from birth that's so natural to them while others have to fight to Mm -hmm. get to a specific place i didn't have that at that age that she had but i had to continually evolve to get to that place what do you Mm -hmm. say about that
1: yeah you know i'll tell you a story i had a couple million dollars in my bank account in 1997 and 10 years later in the fall and winter of uh, 2007, I was two and a half million dollars in debt. I had a lot of real estate attached to that debt, but real estate had come to a screeching halt and we were hoping the recession was almost over. And of course, we hadn't even started the recession. We didn't know that though because we couldn't look forward. We had no crystal ball, no way of knowing how bad 2008 and nine and you know beyond a little bit was going to be. So anyway, in the fall of 2007, I was in my morning devotional. I, I have this morning time where I do meditation and sometimes I journal. And I was thinking, what do I need to do to get out of this trouble? And by the way, about that time, my partner had quit and he said, I'm going to sign the deed of all these properties over to you, to me. And he said, I can't pay half this interest anymore on this debt, these thousands and thousands of dollars a month payments to the banks. So I found myself fully owning $2.5 million in debt. Well, I had this thought, what would George Mueller do? WWGMD, which doesn't mean what would grandma do? It means what would George Mueller do? Now, George Mueller was a hellion from Germany in the early 1800s. And I had read a few of his biographies, and he had become, he had turned from hellion into a, like a pastor, and he actually opened mish, uh, or, orphanages for children in, in Bristol, England, who lost both parents. And uh, they cared for 10,000 orphans over uh, about the next century. But Mueller opened these orphanages, and he did it all based on faith and prayer and belief and abundance mindset. He really believed that he didn't need to go out and scrounge and he didn't need to do big campaigns. In fact, he made a decision he would never, ever tell anybody about any need they had just to test it. And then he journaled it out and he showed the world from his journals after he passed away how much he had earned and, and made. And he, I think he raised like something like $200 million in today's dollars all through this mindset. So I thought, okay, what would George Mueller do? Well, first of all, he wouldn't be in debt. So I was already in trouble, but forget about that. I was in debt. I couldn't get out of it at the moment. And so I thought, okay, I will do something really radical. I'm going to give my way out of debt. And so when my friends sat down with me at a restaurant and said, hey, how are you going to get out of this mess you're in? Are you going to have to declare bankruptcy? I said, no, I'm going to give my way out of debt. Well, that went over really well, and I told my family, and they kind of went along. They didn't have any other choice, so we started giving aggressively, Maurice, and uh, in January, we started giving a certain amount every week to nonprofits we cared about in church, and we decided we're going to see what happens. Well, about four weeks later, I met a real estate developer, and he made an offhanded comment about some property I had, and he said, you know, you ought to try this. And I said, oh, no, 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 that won't work. I already checked that law out. It's impossible for me to subdivide land based on that rule. He said, nah, you ought to give it a try. And all of a sudden, I had this massive light bulb moment where I realized, wait a minute, what if I did this? And it was a really crazy idea. And so I went and met with the planning and zoning department of the local county about two days later, I told them this idea. They, they looked at me and they said, you're crazy. That's the craziest thing we've ever heard. But we think you found a loophole in the law. And so there was a lot of work left in front of me. But uh, we worked hard. We used this revelation I had had. We sold four uh, very expensive waterfront lots that I owned right in the middle of this terrible downturn in the fall of 2008. And we actually found ourselves completely debt free and even paid off our house within 13 months.
0: Wow, that's a fascinating story. I've heard of the law of giving and receiving. I guess it's yeah. just, it's almost like planting a seed in the ground. So mm-hmm. it must come back even more bountiful than what you actually planted.
1: Yes. It's true. The problem is some of us don't give it time. You know, we plant a seed and it's going to take some time. It's going to take sunshine and water and things outside of our control. And some of us go out and dig up the seed every single day to go out and check it out to make sure it's growing. And that's not going to work. Uh, Sometimes we have to, to have faith and give it time and just wait. And, um, We'll see, we'll see an abundant harvest from doing that, from doing the right things.
0: Yeah, it's almost like something I heard before uh, from someone, I believe I was in church, and he said, seed, time, harvest. So it's pretty much what you just said. You said if someone mm-hmm. is going to dig it up, how can it grow? Right, it's very true. Yeah. So Paul, what are some ways people who currently have a poverty mindset can begin to build their wealth. I asked that question because I heard this comedian Dave Chappelle talk about Mm -hmm. a situation when he needed some money when he was a kid in order to go to something in school. He was a young kid, but his dad told him he could not afford it and he couldn't give him the money, so he he was angry. He got angry at his dad and he said to his dad that He hated being poor, and his dad stopped him and said, son, you're not poor. He said, being poor is a mindset. And in typical comedic timing, you know, Dave Chappelle, he went on to say that his father said, you're not poor, you're broke. But the most enlightening thing about that Hmm. interaction he had with his dad was that he told him being poor is a mindset.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. You know, I, when I made about, uh, $2 million back in 1997 from selling our company, I had a poverty mindset. And so he, I guess I was a little bit the opposite of Dave Chappelle at that point, uh, had a lot of money and I actually had a terrible poverty mindset and I won't go through all the pain that caused our marriage, but, um, I will tell you that what I didn't realize, and and the answer, I think, to your question is uh, changing our mind and realizing, you know, that all through uh, sacred scriptures, for example, poverty is considered a curse, and abundance is considered a blessing. And uh, so I think one thing we can do is change the way we think, and then change the overflow of our thoughts, which is, of course, our speech. You know, I believe we were created in the image of the invisible God who made the universe and who said, "Let there be light," and all of a sudden the Big Bang happened and thirteen billion, you know, light years ago or whenever it was, whether it was you know six thousand years ago, I don't know. uh, All everything came into being, and so since we're created in uh, the image of a Creator, we also have creative power. And our words have creative power. If I say my car is a piece of junk and I keep saying that, it's crazy as it sounds. I literally believe it will have an impact on the atoms and molecules in my car. And it will perform that way. Or if I say that about my cell phone, I think it will actually operate worse. And there's lots of studies out there, as crazy as that sounds, you know, in the realm of quantum physics that show the way we think Speak and observe things affects them. I mean, imagine if you told your kids they were dumb every day. What are they going to believe? And what are they going to do? And what are they going to be? Well, I think it works on all kinds of things. And so, with a poverty mindset or an abundance mindset, I think the way we think and speak is going to affect that. Now, somebody's going to object and say, But I don't have any money. You say, Well, you don't want to keep reciting what is recite what you want it to be you don't lie and say I don't have you know that I'm a millionaire even if I have no uh, money you don't lie but you basically speak about what you want it to be and where you're going and that's the way we want to learn to use our words to get an abundance mindset I think
0: wow that's powerful I uh, would also liken it to like this uh, the subconscious mind as well so the, it's almost like the story of the, the frog and the scorpion. One day there was a frog and the scorpion. They were on the side of a river and the scorpion was trying to convince the frog to allow him to ride on his back to take him over to the other side of the river. But the frog mm-hmm. said, you know, um, no, he kept saying no. He said, because if I take you over there, you'll sting me. And he said, no, no, I won't sting you. So after going back and forth for a while, he finally convinced the frog to give him a ride to the other side. So halfway through, while they were on the river still, the frog said, you promised that you wouldn't sting me. And the uh, scorpion said, yes, I promise. And as soon as they got to the other side, just before getting on dry ground, the scorpion stung the frog as hard as he could and then jumped off his back onto dry ground. Wow. And he said, the frog said, I thought you said you weren't going to sting me. And the scorpion said, it's in my nature. So the subconscious yeah. mind, what we predominantly feed ourselves, could either take us to the other side or it could sting us. So just like what you were saying, your words will either carry you to the place you want to go or keep you in bondage and trap where you are. Absolutely.
1: That's a great analogy. I love it. And it's absolutely true. There's so much research about this now. And you know, what they used to say was the realm of theologians and faith is now provable by science. I mean, what they, you know, particles that are not observed yet, are not even particles, they are infinite possibilities, they're wave form, but once they're observed, once there's an observer, um, you know, they become particles, they become, they, 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 it, it actually creates something that's real. So this whole universe is, you know, under the observant eye of a watcher, a creator. And I, I, I think it's safe to say this universe wouldn't exist without it being observed another story <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes that's a fabulous analogy so i've heard uh, the stories of people who have achieved greatness in their particular fields and it usually comes down to being motivated by fear of not wanting to experience being poor or ridiculed or they were trained consciously or unconsciously by their parents on how to accumulate wealth what was the catalyst that cause you to strive for financial success or just strive to be successful in your life?
1: Hmm. You know, I think it was just an innate thing. I, I did have some pain as we all did growing up, had some kids that treated me badly. I had a lot of, uh, yeah, several things going against me as a kid. I was way taller than all the other kids and, um, just was kind of a clumsy kid. And, So kids are really mean to me. And my mom would say to me, you can do anything. You can succeed. You're going to be way more successful than those mean kids. And, you know, I really believed her. And um, I think that she had a a really powerful impact on my life. I mentioned my dad earlier, but, you know, my mom had an incredible impact on me by just believing in me so much. And um, I don't think I have a great answer to your question, though, because I always found myself being driven always found myself trying to to charge really hard when I get into something, when I want something, I'm I'm going after it hard. I think it's just in my nature. I think it must've just come somehow through my mom.
0: Okay, good. Yeah. Like I said earlier, that some people, they just seem to have that it from birth. Just like you can observe some kid prodigies who have, who may sing or play an instrument or do various Different things at a really early age, while others seem to just go back and forth and don't seem to know the why, as you mentioned earlier. Even in business, right. there must be a why, but also individually in our lives, there must be a why. There must be something yearning within us that wants to express a thing. But I think yeah. through life struggles, sometimes we can bury our talents. And we think we're being safe, but actually we are not being courageous, but we turn inward and become cowards unknowingly because we mm-hmm. don't want to take any more hits. So it's, it's amazing that some people, you know, still struggle at a later age, but still, if they would just turn or just don't give up, sometimes you just have to not give up and continue walking. And things will somehow work out. I remember before I went to undergrad, before I even began college, I wanted to, but I didn't know how I was going to be able to afford it. And I'm going through all of these different things in my mind. And just all of a sudden, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go to this school that I really want to go to. And I'm just going to see what happens. And Mm -hmm. when I went there, I mean, people were so helpful to me and gave me information that I didn't know prior to. And I was able to enroll and just keep going and be able to graduate and so on. But sometimes you just Mm -hmm. have to keep walking, even in darkness. Right. It's so true. Well, that's great. That's a great story. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in, well, I was born in South Carolina. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I was born in Miami, Florida, and then at an early age, moved to South Carolina where I stayed there until I was 17 and then got into the military after that. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for serving our country.
0: Yes. Yes. And where did you grow up?
1: I was in Southern Ohio, and I ended up in Michigan for 10 years, and then I've been in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia for about 22 years.
0: Oh, wow. That sounds like a beautiful place. It is. Yeah, it sounds like a beautiful place. So as we wrap up, uh, is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, you
1: know, I already mentioned investing versus speculating. Make sure you know the difference. Uh, I mentioned getting, you know, growing well slowly and learning to say no a lot. I mentioned the importance of having a big why. We talked about, you know, giving in order to get more back. I would just, you know, really, really recommend that people really, really take an assessment of their words. You know, I had a lot of anger. Our marriage was really, really challenging for like the first 25 or so years. And now we've been married 32 years. We're really happy, but had a lot of anger toward each other. And once I started being really, really thankful for my wife, I would list, somebody had told me to do this. Uh, A preacher actually told told me to do this. Actually, it was, I want to mention this name. She's not really a preacher. She's actually a psychologist too. And her name is Caroline Leaf, L E A F. Caroline Leaf. I highly recommend you get her book called Switch on Your Brain. Caroline Leaf's book Switch on Your Brain talks about the incredible power of the subconscious and the incredible power of your thoughts to determine the course of your life. She gets into. She's a neuroscientist actually. She's not a psychologist. I was wrong. She's a neuroscientist. She goes through the neuroscience of the brain, all the quantum physics, all that. It's powerful stuff. And she talked about the importance of going through a list of things you're thankful for, for somebody you're having a hard time with. And in that case, it was my wife. And so without telling my wife, I made this really exhaustive list. Uh, And it was, I was pretty mad and I was not real happy with her. And so I made ridiculous things I was thankful for. Thank you that she... I'm thankful that she never left. That's easy. I'm thankful that she never ran me over with a car. Well, I don't think she was ever tempted to, but it was something I was thankful for. I'm thankful she never hit me with a baseball bat. I'm thankful she never... And again, I was making ridiculous things, but... And then I got really thankful. I was like, oh, I'm really thankful that she actually does the laundry for the family. Yeah, And I'm really thankful that she's all these good things. And after about three or four days of that, I couldn't remember why I was mad at her, even though I'd been mad at her for decades. Can you believe that? And I couldn't even remember why I was mad. And after several weeks of this, and I would do this when I was falling asleep at night, our marriage got way, way better. And I think the anger that I had had underneath the surface, and she had toward me too, It just melted away. And, you know, I'm really grateful to Caroline Leaf. And if you can ever get her on your show, man, it would be a great thing. But she's got a book called Switch on Your Brain. And she's got other books about neuroscience that are powerful. And uh, anyway, I heard, heard her speaking on YouTube about Switch on Your Brain. And that's what changed everything for
0: me. Wow. Yeah, this sounds wonderful. I definitely would be honored to have her on the show as well. Um, so, uh, do you have any, uh, what was the title of your upcoming book again?
1: We don't have a final title on it, but the, it's in a series of books published by bigger pockets, publishing bigger pockets is the largest real estate investor website in the world. It's got over, I think a million and a half people now on it. And, uh, their publishing arm has a, a series of books called the book on whatever, House Flipping, The Book on Raising Money, The Book on, and I think mine's going to be called The Book on Self-Storage, but it might not be. Um, we have a free special report at my website that summarizes the book. My website's Wellings Capital. And uh, again, I'm uh, my website, Wellings, W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S, capital.com, and investors can go get that free special report to learn more about you know, self storage, mobile home park investing, and other types of recession-resistant uh, investing.
0: Great. So, are you? Do you have any social media? Um, are you on? Yeah, social- I'm
1: on. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and, and uh, Facebook and things like that. But I'm not as active on that as I am on BiggerPockets, since it's a
0: social media site specifically geared for real estate investors. Okay. Great. Great. It has been an absolute honor to have you on as a guest. And I know that you, through our conversation, this interview, I know you've helped so many people who will be listening to this podcast.
1: Well, thanks, Maurice. It was really an honor to be here. And I really got to, I really enjoy the fact that we got to talk about some things other than just business. So thank you so much for the opportunity. It was an honor and a privilege. You're
0: welcome. And thank you. Thank you for listening to the New Mind Creator podcast with your host Maurice, the New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflournoy.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.